This is gonna be fucking fun. Brian, you are in the hole, Major League Eight Holes, episode 129. This is also episode 31 of Sox type thing. Uh, we're approaching the halfway point in the season. So I think this week, all our teams will pass the 81 game threshold. So I guess I'm going to title this one, they're halfway to hell. Yeah, halfway to hell is about right. Yeah. One team. Considering, yeah, if you take out the Giants, our, our teams are a combined 63 games under 500 right now. Wow. Throw the Giants and Giants in there, and we're 53 games below 500. So That's impre- impressive. Yeah, we're, we're getting some work done over here. <laughs> but, so, yeah, we're going to start out with on the positive note with your Giants, uh, having won a couple of series in the division this week. Congratulations. We'll switch over to the Cubs, and they were in London this weekend. I don't know if you noticed. London, I, I, you know, I turned. Yeah, I did. I did actually notice that. So we, we'll talk about it when we get there. You could have missed the game on Sunday because it started at fucking nine a.m. your time. So, yeah, that would have been an easy one to miss. But we'll go through that. I've got a little marquee network drama to talk about as well. Frustrating week for the Tigers. Uh, they could have made up some ground on on first place Minnesota, but they failed to. We all could um, have. Yeah. Uh, then we've got uh, the Sox doing lots of Sox things. Uh, you've got a long list of, of things to talk about over there. What We're going to have our, our, I believe that's going to lead to our first unanimous badass of the week ever. Yeah, that's we don't even nominate anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> then we've got some shit you couldn't make up involving the LA Angels, who are the Sox next opponent. Starting tonight, I think it's in an hour. It is time. tonight, eight eight thirty five Central. All right. Well, we're gonna follow up last week's segment on our Major League A holes All Stars. Uh, this week, we're gonna be talking about outfielders and DHs. We've got a long list to go through there. I think that's gonna be pretty simple. How we finally land upon our All Stars in the outfield, and then we've got another aesthetics, the final Nike City Connect uniforms of the year. So this might be our final aesthetics for a while. We'll wow. Maybe I'll figure out a way to, to drudge it up once again somehow. But well, I'm sure there'll be there'll be some ceremonious hat or something we need <laughs> yeah. to talk about. We'll find something. Yeah. But I think with that, we might as well go ahead and jump into the news. Now here's the news. It's the news. The big news. Oh fuck, Scotty, that is good news. That is great news, man. Let's bring it all home as Major League Baseball presents This Week in Baseball. Giants! San Francisco fucking Giants! <laughs> yeah, man, we're, we're, we're fucking dominating. I mean, let's just say it is what it is. Eight and two in their last ten. Prior to mm. that, they were ten and zero oh in their last ten. Now they're eight and two in their last ten. That's not a good trend, but... <laughs> Still pretty damn good. Uh, two and a half games out of first place, trailing the Diamondbacks, who they recently just finished up with. They took two out of three there, and unfortunately, it always, do. it always feels it always feels bad though. Like you win the first two and you lose the last one. 
it it's almost better win lose. Yeah, we'll get win. we'll get to that later. That's that's a common thread, actually. Yeah, that's a, that is a common thread. Well, when you get to London, um, <laughs> then you know the the three hundred million dollar plus Padres. They should really be named the Giants and the giant payroll is what they should be named oh uh, hey oh hey oh dad jokes of flying uh they rolled into town <laughs> prior to the d-backs and the giants kind of just came off of you know said hey we fucking destroyed the dodgers let's just kick the crap out of you for a few games so they won the first three then lost the last one by getting shut out, the Padres had their decide to just save it all up for the last game, and it was like eleven to yeah. nothing or twelve to nothing. Yeah, I saw that. That was kind really of bizarre. Yeah, it was really bizarre. Um, what a turn of events the final game in that series was. But, um, I mean, it it's similar to the formula from a couple years ago when they won one hundred and seventeen games because they're like overall they're like number seven or six in MLB in home runs. So they are hitting the ball out of the park mm. um, at a, at a decent rate. Um, and they're, they're getting enough pitching. They've got some guys who are on the IL right now who are uh, about to come back and they've been able to kind of survive without them. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see, but uh you know, it's fun to it's fun to watch Giants games. I've been spending more time with the more time uh, personally with the Giants watching those games than I have been with the White Sox. I have a tendency right now, which I used to not do, but just to if it starts to go south for the White Sox and the Giants are on, there's I just switch over and don't even fucking bother. I just I saw switching over. You switched over your personal Twitter avatar. I that's got, right, baby. From, we got. Uh, well, what was it? A White Sox hat all this yeah, time? Yeah, fifty fifth and Shields. Yeah. Suddenly, I see uh, an SF logo, a bright orange and black, which I thought I had. I couldn't tell who it was at first. I'm like, who the fuck is this? Yeah, that's right, baby. We got the Giants uh, uh, cover photo too, or whatever the fuck it's oh, called. Oh boy. Yeah, we got to get Giants coverage on Twitter. We got Sox type thing, so I just took over the uh, at Veneri handle, where you can get San Francisco Giants news on twitter wow i gotta change our graphic here so people have your multiple twitter handles Ooh, yeah available to them let's do it get, <laughs> get into my dms folks mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. uh, before we leave the glorious city by the bay there is some bad news mike yastrzemski mm. um went ahead and went on the IL with a hamstring injury. And that always makes me nervous because hamstrings are a, uh, very delicate has to be handled correctly. Or next thing you know, you're out for like two fucking months. And yeah, we just made him badass of the week. What the fuck? I know he's a large part of the offense. So come back soon. Yes. Come back soon. Yeah, hopefully this isn't like the start of a curse where we make a badass of the week the next week they go in the IL. That's the first. That's the first instance I can think of. Yeah, least, that's the first instance, this, but... and we've had a couple repeat folks. So, mm. yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's all uh, cupcakes and rainbows for me over here in Giants World. I'm not going to make any bold predictions that will be in first place by this weekend. But <laughs> be in first place by this weekend. All right, whatever. 
you had a, a story about Will Clark you wanted to mention. Oh, right? shit. Thank you. Shit, Pete forgot. It covered <laughs> up early. So First segment. First segment. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even drinking, folks. It's just iced tea. Sure it yeah. is. Um, so, um, uh, in my Instagram feed, I get a lot of baseball stuff. And uh, someone was interviewing Will Clark. And he had a, one of our favorite umpires. He had a story about. Uh, Angel Hernandez and he told the story about um, how he was at the plate when he was on the Giants and uh, I know this is going to sound shocking to everyone but Angel Hernandez was calling strikes on balls that were three inches off the plate that's what he does and um, you know Will questioned him and it was like come on man that's not a strike and he's like well, sorry, man, the ball, you know, the ball moved on me. It looked good to me, you know, yada, yada, yada. So they go back and forth. He gets rung up. He knows that he doesn't want to get kicked out, so he doesn't expand it. Walks walks off the field. Sees him at a bar later that night with some other players. Oh. Um, and he sees him over there, and he's like, hmm. He's like, hey, uh, send a round of beers over there on me. So the waitress goes over there, lets Angel and his and his crew know that a round of beers are from that gentleman over there who is Will Clark. So Will Clark walks up to him after um, on his way out, and Angel's like, Angel's like, Do you have something you want to say to me? He's like, No, just I hope you enjoyed the beers. He's like, Oh, really? That's it? He's like, Well, yeah, thanks for the beers, man. Walked out. He said he had the smallest strike zone going forward from Angel Hernandez for the rest of his career. <laughs> so note to everyone out there, if anyone is listening who's on a Major League Baseball team, Angel <laughs> Hernandez can be bought. And it's just a beer. You just need that's to great. buy the guy a beer. I was say that's pretty cheap. That, that's all. Yeah. That's just a good lesson in in general. Just send rounds of beers around. I mean, <laughs> send rounds of beers. Pay it forward. Us? You want to mention? <laughs> you want to mention on this on this <laughs> on this thriving podcast? Send us a round of beers next time you see us at the ballpark or something. So yeah. So Will that's the Thrill great. Clark telling a great fucking story that I laughed out loud at. I'm like Angel fucking Hernandez. Goes figures. <laughs> One beer is all it takes. <laughs> well, if that's it for your Bay Area conversation, uh, I won't be bringing up the A's in this episode, believe it or not. Well, maybe they'll come up briefly, but I'm going to go ahead and transition over to usually the north side of Chicago. But this weekend, it happened to be in London, England uh, for the big London series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about the previous London series and it was kind of hard to remember. It was back in 2019 between the Yankees and Red Sox. And I really despise both those teams. So I wasn't paying too much attention, but the one thing I, I did recall from it was how ridiculous the the field was and how many runs were scored in just two games. I think they had 50 runs scored total. Yeah. Two, two games. Uh, they were able to address that in London stadium home of the West Ham United Hammers. Uh, <laughs> they, able, they were able to push back the seats a bit, so center field was at least a more reasonable depth. The field played pretty pretty well, actually, and it looked 
it, they did a good job of kind of filling in the dead areas with stands. It looked like a baseball field this time, a lot more so. There's still tons of foul territory, but overall it looked and it played much more like a, a regular Major League ball field. Uh, there's only 22 runs scored over the two games this weekend. So it's been, <laughs> yes, a, little there more, you go. a little more reasonable. Cut it in half, a little over half. Yeah, so that, that part worked out well. They were complaining quite a bit about how bouncy the, the turf was, which Ooh. I hadn't run into. And I, I, it was definitely making a difference because any kind of ground ball was was just skipping through the infield or wherever. So it was a little bit different. But overall, I think it worked really well. You know, they had 50,000 plus people there for each game, which is pretty impressive. I think a lot of those people were from Illinois and Missouri. Uh the the British it's hard to tell how many British people are actually there or Europeans traveling to to go see this spectacle but I think a, a lot of it was was locals from the U S uh, yeah, I know of someone who was there oh do you really yeah Dave Wachowski who's that ex the ex Tribune reporter who oh that's I right work with now he went out there for the to see his Cubs play that that would be a fun trip I I, I mean I love London so that that would be a blast I'd I'd be up for that. I don't know when the the Cubs will be up in London again because it sounds like they're rotating the schedule. It's going to be Philadelphia and I think the Mets next time, and then there's yeah. some some kind of series in Paris coming up soon. I think that's the Yankees, probably Red Sox. Again. Is it going to be played on clay? Yeah, possibly. Like tennis. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> the. The novelty was was fun. Uh, certainly, game one was fun as Justin Steele shut down the Cardinals. Holy shit! I watched some of it, man. Don't yeah. mean to cut you off, but like he was just fucking. He was dealing. dealing. Yeah. Yeah. The Ian Happ actually was uh, the only one that was really taking advantage of the little bit smaller outfield dimensions. He had two home runs in that game, so that was nice. A, a very easy nine nine to one victory. Game two was a little bit different story. First of all, it started at 9 a.m. your time, uh, 10 a.m. here, but um, it was rather, I don't know if it was, you know, the body clocks not not working right, but just a bizarre game, actually a bizarre start to the game. Cubs got off to a 4 nothing start, and it looked like they were going to be cruising with Marcus Stroman on the mound. And then the game got Mancini'd, as I'd like to call it, as Trey Mancini still manning first base for God knows who, why anymore. Just completely botched a play. Very simple routine grounder to second that he tried to field himself briefly uh, from first base, realized he had made a a terrible error already, tried to scramble back to first base, didn't quite get there. The toss came to him. He tried to barehand it. He dropped that, of course, ended up leading to three runs and uh, the whole momentum of the game shifted. The Cubs ended up losing five, uh, seven to five. So, I mean, the three run error when you lose by two runs is just a brutal moment. It, you know, it all wasn't lost. You're kind of hoping that Stroman could just step up and take care of things. And he, he struggled and it was finally, it started to make sense why he was struggling for the first time since really ended up being his worst start since early May. Yeah. He had a, a blister developing on his index finger. So that would, that would explain why, why he was having issues and not looking like his normal self. So 
So that was a frustrating way to not get to 500 for the first time in quite some time. If they had won that game, it would have been nice to have that positive momentum coming, you know, coming off that huge win on Saturday, uh, flying back with, you know, two games over the, over the Cardinals. Uh, instead, they had a really ugly taste in their mouth and, you know, Trey Mancini, by all accounts, is a great guy. Every every story I've ever read, he's a cancer survivor. Uh, really great story. He cannot play first base. I mean, it just it has to stop. Uh, it, it's costing him games, costing him critical games. So I don't think we'll be seeing him, hopefully, at first base ever again. It's it's weird. First base has been an issue for the Cubs that they've, they've been trying to address since the offseason. They signed two different free agent first basemen. Technically, they signed three, if you include uh, Eric Hosmer, Trey Mancini, and Cody Bellinger. Very, and they still, very Sox-like. Yeah, they still can't figure out what, what to do at first base. Uh, you know, Obviously, Hosmer was released. Mancini, uh, I don't know if he's going to be released or what they're going to do there, but I think you know right now Bellinger is is their best bet at first, but you know he's a plus defender in center field that you're taking away. Right now, Mike Talkman is is working out fairly well covering center, okay. but I I don't think that's a long term solution. So yeah, you know, I've heard I've heard people suggest that you know maybe Christopher Morrell needs to start taking reps at first to find him a permanent spot in the defense because he's kind of ro- rotating all over the place. Um, that doesn't seem like a, a real natural fit to me. I'm wondering if, you know, Jan Gomes or Miguel Amaya, since since they are definitely plus offensive players right now, I think maybe to get both of them in the lineup somehow, besides uh, clogging up the DH spot, maybe, maybe one of them or both can start taking some reps at first base, seeing how they fare, because it couldn't be much worse with, with Mancini out there right now. So... Those are some things to look to uh, going forward. So overall, did you did you watch any of the London series at all, or did you? Uh, so I tuned in to. I saw part of Justin Steele's game. I ended up turning it on because for some reason I thought I thought the Sox were on at at one. Mm. So and I, I didn't see him on on. Uh, you know, NBC sports. So I flipped over to Fox and I was like, Oh, that's right. London series. So I'm like, Oh, I'll check this out for a while. You know, it's cool. It's, you might know, check it out. It's a game in London. Notice that the dimensions were like three thirty down the line versus like three Oh five. So yeah, I think they were uh, yeah, just over 300 last time. It was three yeah. center. I think this was yeah. closer to 400 at least. So, yeah. So I was like, I'll leave this on for a while. And, you know, Justin Steele was just taking care of business. So I watched like three innings and shut it off. And then I turned it on on Sunday and um, it was already four nothing Cubs. And which is with as bad as the Cardinals were and Marcus Stroman on the mound. I was like, oh, I'm not That's... Gonna fucking invest any time in this. <laughs> so I, I flipped it off and uh, turned on some music. I wish I had done the same thing you did there, but I, I chose poorly at that moment. Uh, you know, also I did play some MLB, the show that this is, I'm tying this back to London and they were giving away a free London pack of cards. So like, do you, you know, the concept I mean, of MLB, the show sort of mentioned it before. But but... It's basically like trading cards with, with a, a, a rating on it. And okay. 
Um, you know, you can go all the way up to 99. No one's 100. So Shohei Otani is like 99, right? So, um, but all the guys in the London pack were 95. So I ended up with a 95 Jan Gomes um, wow. from the Cubs. Who, who else did I get from the Cubs? Oh, uh, your closer. He was a 95. But yeah, it was it was interesting. It was fun. They had like a special pack you could get for free. So it's worked out nice. so far. I hit a home run with uh, my 95 uh, Paul DeYoung the other day for a win against probably a eight-year-old online, but I'm proud of it. I'm 51 <laughs> for those scoring at home. Congratulations. <laughs> there was a little bit of other Cubs news over the weekend as the Cubs corporate stooge, Crane Kenny. Oh, God. Crawled Jesus. out of whatever hole he's been living in to get on Chicago media, which, again, he he's the most heard from uh, sports business president of operations that you'll ever hear. No fucking uh, shit, man. He did have some breaking news Saturday morning on 670 The Scores inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine. Uh, there's breaking news about the Marquee Network. What do you have against the Marquee Network? The point is, ladies and gentlemen, green is good. Believe me, you won't be booing about that in a year. It is actually going to be available by the end of July as a standalone streaming product to fans oh, in, yeah. in the market. In the Chicago market, fans who have cut the cord do not have to have a cable subscription of any kind. Uh, to watch the Cubs finally, which is a huge step. Uh, and it's something that you could see coming miles away, you know, when they first started the marquee network, it's, it just made sense that eventually they were having so much trouble signing with Comcast or other local cable providers, right? Signing deals with, you know, streaming services like YouTube TV and Hulu. Those, those fell apart. They are still with Fubu, Fubo TV. Yeah. I don't know. That's don't one think... of the best ones for sports. That's that's how they marketed themselves. I looked into that a bit, and I thought it looked like a pretty crappy interface. But maybe, maybe I. I mean, the interface may suck, but like if you're, if it can be worse you, than Hulu's. But yeah, if you wanted like local sports and yeah. and a decent amount of national coverage and soccer, if that's what you're into, um, yeah. they, that's the place for you. Well, and now you don't even need that because you'll be able to just purchase the Marquee Network streaming service standalone by itself, direct to consumer. This is on the heels of both the Yankees and Red Sox who already have their own networks and in-market streaming services. And the news there, I didn't realize this, um, it's a little disturbing because the Yankees charge 30 bucks a month for theirs and the Red Sox charge, I think, 25 bucks for theirs. Dang. So the, the Cubs are definitely going to fall in that range. I'd be shocked Holy if it was more fuck. than the Yankees, but that's a lot. I mean, that's that's what I'm paying for MLB TV to see all the games, essentially, uh, besides my local Tigers. Yeah. Um, so that that's a that's a pricey commitment. I guess you know what the those prices are are you know feasible in those markets already because people are willing to pay it. You know, that's what the market is bearing right now. 
So I guess that's where the, the initial prices will come out for the marquee network. I don't know that they'll stay there if the, if the demand will be that high or if they'll just have to lower the prices to, to you know, something a little more reasonable, but I mean, you can be get interesting Sunday, to see. You can get Sunday ticket for that for 300 bucks a year. You know, I mean, is it gonna, do you know that were the details like, are you locked into a year at 25 bucks a month? Or? Yeah. Well, none, none of the details are, are public right now. Nobody, it's just, we know that it's coming out possibly in late July and then there's speculation based on what the Yankees and, and Red Sox have done. So it'll probably follow those models, but yeah, there's no, there's no details about that yet. So, um, I just, I was surprised at those price points. Um, I was thinking, you know, 15, 20, you know, maybe something like that. But the other, the one thing is, you know, Marquee, they've, you know, spent the last three years developing the full network. So it's not just, you're not just getting Cubs games. You're getting the full TV network too, is, is probably how they'll, they'll spin it. You know, the pre and post game shows and they have all sorts of other, other programming uninteresting programming. yeah mostly well i'm interesting to you it, it would be interesting to cubs fans potentially but they also have partnerships with i think with the big 10 they might they they show all sorts of stuff in the off season too that we would be getting but yeah so i guess that's that's breaking news uh there's a lot to be uh fleshed out still on how the details are going to work but that it's it's great that people in Chicago can actually watch the Cubs on any device they want now uh, without having to subscribe to a, a cable network, which fewer and fewer people are doing these days. So it's, it's really a move towards the youth, you know, the, the, the younger generation than us uh, that are all cutting the cord, not interested in cable subscriptions. Um, but it's getting the product. The, the product is now being getting available to anyone if they so choose. So, I think, I think it's a, a cool move. Um, I'm shooting the messenger. Uh, not a fan of Crane Kenny, but at least he brought some interesting news to, to my Saturday morning. Well, with that, I'm going to uh, head over to Detroit. My Tigers had a frustrating week. Uh, we were recording last Tuesday night as they were trailing one to nothing to the hapless Kansas City Royals. We got done, and that game was so fucking fast. The game was <laughs> final, one nothing. Tigers it lose. Was. Really frustrating. You can't lose the fucking Royals, um, and you can't. Well, not can't, one to nothing. Yeah, can't, you can't even muster up a run. I mean, I don't know what was going on. That was the one game. We, the, the one game they lost in that series. But you need to sweep the Royals at home. So it was frustrating. I didn't even know what happened. I get off this fucking podcast, and it's already devastating news, embarrassing news. But. So that, that started out the frustration. Uh, the first place twins came to town this past weekend and really are every bit as unimpressive as I, I've, I've thought they've been all year. Uh, they're, they're just not a good team. They're not a good defensive team. They're not a good base running team. They strike out a ton. They hit home runs. That, that, that's what they do. They, they hit home runs. Um, they t- ended up taking two out of three from, from the Tigers, which is really frustrating because they could have easily won game three. They had a 3-2 lead in the eighth. And Nick Maton uh, completely, completely botched a play at third base and uh, ended up, Tigers ended up losing six to three. Just, it would have been a really 
momentum building series win over a first place team. Uh, but that's that swing game is so critical. I mean, now you know they're they're an extra game back that they shouldn't be. The of course the Tigers subsequently released Nick Matan, uh, or not released. They actually optioned him down to Toledo. So it was within minutes of, of the end of the game, which I found kind of funny, a little bit cruel, but he deserved to be sent down. I mean, he's got a negative 1.2 war. That was a seventh error already this year. Uh, he's batting like a cool 162, I think. OPS plus around 60. I mean, it's just, it was a disaster and it needed to, he needed to be sent down a while ago. Jonathan Scopes playing third tonight. They call up Tyler Nevin uh, from AAA Toledo to, to fill the spot. That's a little bit disappointing because there are some prospects that would be a little more interesting to see. Some were speculating Parker Meadows might be up. Uh, Actually, I heard speculation that Austin Meadows might have finally uh, came, you know, gotten his mental mental issues straightened out, and might be returning to the team. But that has not happened. I'm not really holding my breath for that either, since there's never been any news about that. There's no way to know, and there's, you know, that's up to him completely. So, just a, just a weird, frustrating week. It could have been so much better. It was, it was close to being a really cool week, and then just a couple things just went the wrong way, and. For a team that's 10 games below 500, just can't afford to have those little things go the wrong way. They're headed to Texas tonight. Uh, that, yeah. that looks like it could be a total disaster. That game actually is just starting right now as it's 8 o'clock here. Uh, I'm a little nervous to tune into that after this show as the, the Rangers just break. Uh, I think they're at, they were averaging like more than six runs a game for a while. They might be above that now. So, yeah, uh, it was not that I was thinking the Tigers are going to make a move or anything in the division, but, you know, they were only three and a half back behind the Twins. They still lead the series against the Twins, four games to three. So it's just, it's why this is going to be even our in our shitty, with our shitty teams in this shitty AL Central, it's still going to be interesting because we're all in the race. We're going to continue to be in the race because Minnesota is just not that much better than than anyone else uh, except for maybe the Royals. So I guess that's a positive or we're still tantalizingly close to leading this shitty division. By the way, we've, we've been characterizing the NL central and the AL central as the same shit divisions, but yeah, the NL central is a little bit. Better. I think the NL central has separated itself into, into a much more reasonable, uh, respectable division compared to, I mean, for now. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the, that's, that's the thing. Mainly yeah, I agree. Cincinnati going nuts, but I mean, the, the yeah. AL central is, is definitely established itself. It has the worst fucking division maybe ever. Well, I, yeah. I think maybe we'll, there'll be more and more stories about this as no team is above 500 as we, as we get deeper into the season, how, you know, how many team? How many divisions have all been below 500 by the end of the year? Might be the might be the most it's, interesting thing to watch in the AL Central going. Forward. Well, it would be the first time it ever happened that the <laughs> entire division was. Is below it? The, would 500. it be the first? Yeah, okay. yeah. No one's ever won a division below 500. Uh, below okay. 500. That the close. Well, the worst team was the. Uh, I thought maybe I, did I not cover this? The Padres won their division in 2005 the nl west they won in 2005 
by like being two games over 500. But then after they got out of the playoffs, they finished the year under 500. So they're the only team to ever be in the playoffs and have an under 500 record post playoffs. So they, we could, we could set hit. We could make history with this division. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to tracking that the rest of the season as much as anything. (laughs) It's just see how, how inept this division can be and how we can all stay in it till the end. That's all we can live for these days. Ugh. That is mercifully all I'm going to have to say about the Tigers. If you want to transition over to your oh. equally mediocre White Spe- Sox. Speaking one, of one A-Hole's half game up. behind my Detroit Tigers still. In, in both standings, the A-hole and, and the, uh, the AL Central. Uh, oddly enough, they're doing better in the real league than they are in the fake league. We're following the, the, the <laughs> major league A's because of the Giants. But um Big news, breaking news on the south side is we finally won a series after winning our last the last series we won was in New York, which was the like first full week of June. Um they haven't won a series since. They've come very, very close. They've they've come so close that it's made me file a petition with MLB to lower the games to seven innings for the Sox the rest of the year because oh, yes. they've been tied or winning at that mark and then blowing the games in the end. But the Red Sox um, was a, uh, was an interesting series. They, uh, they gave it away and then they took it away in game two to come back and win um, on a Elvis Andrews single in extra innings. Um, Go go figure a Smitty similar to the Trey Mancini situation. Boston's, first baseman good old uh turner good old ex uh dodger third baseman uh justin turner had an error at first that allowed gavin sheets and speedster himself to beat out a a throw that then put a pinch runner on and coming around the score so um socks won that one and then um it was the Lou Bob show yesterday where the Sox won four to one on two homers by Luis Robert. Um, oh, we'll be getting to him, but we'll get more into Le- Luis Robert later. Um, one of the funnier things that happened this week was uh, something that Smitty and I had been speculating about for quite some time. Uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Good enough to throw from second, not good enough to throw from short, suddenly became the um, starting second baseman for the White Sox for the uh, weekend series against the Red Sox. Um, Seemed a little, what would you say, Smitty? Seemed a little convenient, maybe, after some of the trouble he's had at shortstop. It's It felt like a demotion to me. I mean, Pedro Grafal definitely... Definitely tried to shape that narrative into something completely different with, you know, it's just his shoulder. It was an easier, easier throw from him from second to first. Um, yeah, that, that felt a, a little convenient. I think there's, there's probably more, more to that. We, we broke that down last week. How the, you know, defensive lapses, the, you know, not paying attention on the running, yeah, yeah. running errors uh, probably led to a benching, but it was supposed to be a shoulder issue. Then conveniently moving him, slowly back into the lineup after several days out to second base. I kind of think it kind of 
fit their narrative, but he is back at shortstop tonight. So that, that yes. I'm, I'm a little surprised by that, but yeah. So Elvis Andrews is going back to short or going back to second then. Yeah. Elvis Andrews is back at second and uh, Ben attendee does remain in the leadoff spot, which he's been red hot in. So no reason to uh, change that. Timmy Benton, number two. I thought that was uh, interesting to see, but here we go. Yeah, line, that seemed... Our lineup east of, uh, portion of the show, but. Well, it, it's odd that Timmy would bat two and Jake Berger with 17 home runs often bats in the lower third of the order. More again happened over in the Boston series. I mean, in the game two. Tim Anderson's uh, he... OB. Tim Anderson's OBP is like 279 right now. So yeah, there's wow. a Mendoza line for OBP. He's under it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's 300 probably, right? Would yeah, be the Mendoza so. line for OBP. So like you, you put him at number be... two. Yeah. It, it, okay. It, it is, uh, I don't know. Probably a bit <laughs> of a, probably a bit of a, don't want to bruise that ego too much, but. You know, if you want to win, he should be seeing about three at bats a game right now until he starts hitting consistently. Um, one of the things I did mention uh, last week that I wanted to get to after since uh, we finished up the weekend series was um, I mentioned the Sox had to go 21 and 12 to get to 500. Since we last were podcasting, they've gone mm. three and two. So they are, they have one game above 500. There you so go. They, they need to go 18 and 10 the rest of the way for tracking that. So it doesn't seem outrageous, but they're consistently inconsistent. So you just don't know what to expect. Um, speaking of inconsistent, but suddenly good, what are your thoughts on Lance Lynn, Smitty? And is he cheating? <laughs> because in his last outing, he managed gotta to lead get, in the witness there. He got a he 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 pitched five and two thirds with seven K's and only one walk and allowed three runs. It's like he's had he's had 23 strikeouts in the last two fucking games out of nowhere. Why? How? Weird. I don't even understand it. Maybe he ate a salad. There's no talk on mechanical flaw correction or anything. I don't know. It seems fishy. Maybe he's found a way, maybe because he grabs his junk so much, no one checks his hands and he's <laughs> using sticky stuff. Oh, he's found a new way to hide it. Yeah, That's he's hiding sticky stuff because of his junk grabbing all the time. I don't know. It just That was Dylan Cease method for a well, while. He was just putting his hand down the front of his pants. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but like, I just don't, I just don't understand it. I think. He has he might actually have trade value right now. Trade him now. Do wow. it. Do it. Yeah. I think he's gonna need several more starts like this. No, Smitty, should... he's at his highest point. Uh, I, I think you should root for him to continue this. I think I think you will. Yeah. Uh but yeah, for a couple of reasons, you know, to, to help your team, but also to boost that trade value. But it is gonna take several starts, I think. For anyone to buy it, as he's probably I haven't seen his ERA recently, but I'm assuming it's still among the worst in, in all of baseball. So it's not good. It might take it a bit. Good. It might take a bit, is right. Um interesting trend for the White Sox is uh two things. One, their starting pitchers are leading the league with a nine point 
uh, eight, two strikeouts per nine inning for a starting pitching staff. That's kind of crazy with the shitty record that they have. Um, but somehow with all this law, lo- these, all these losses, the Sox are 61% already to the total home runs they hit last year, which is 149. They currently sit at number 13 in major league baseball at 91, um, seventh in the AL and they still are hitting ground balls at an alarming rate. So it's kind of like right now it's like, it's all or nothing, right? It's either when it's either a, a home run or a, you know, a ground ball. There's, there's like no in between cause their OPS. When you look at that, you, so you see they're like 13th in, in home runs. So he's like, Oh, their OPS must be pretty high, but their OPS is like 22nd. No, that's because you're so last. The, you're last in OBP. You're, you're not getting on base. You're not taking any walks. Is is the problem? That's why you're hitting yeah. so many solo home runs too. Right. True. Yeah. There's a lot of solo home runs in there. But one of the reasons the Sox are hitting more home runs this year is I don't know if you heard about this, but during batting practice, the Sox have set up screens that that are roughly I don't know 15 feet tall or so. Um, behind the pitcher's mound across the infield in an effort to get the Sox to hit the ball into the air versus hitting it on the ground. Now they've got that and they've got that new AI pitching machine where they can program all the data in of all the pitcher, uh, the pitchers in and try to mimic the tendencies and, and have uh, hitters, you know, practice against that. I think all the teams have had that until I think, I think you guys just caught up with that, I believe, but. Well, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> or we're talking about it. One of the two. Yeah. Maybe that information yeah, yeah. is finally out there. Yeah. Maybe that information is finally out there. Who knows? But um, you know, it's a, that's a, it's, it's a, it's a good sign that it doesn't look like we're going to be finishing in the bottle of uh, in home runs, but to your point, Smitty, Four solo home runs end up getting you into a tie game with the Boston Red Sox on a Saturday yeah. afternoon, having to go in extra innings. Like, so that's, you know, it's great. Home runs are great, but they're, they're way more impactful if someone's uh, on base for you. Speaking of home runs, that leads us into Lewis Robert Jr. Who has been having a pretty good season, wouldn't you say? I think we're going to have to call him our badass of the week. Is this guy supposed to be the ultimate badass? Oh, man, I see some crazy-ass shit in my town. I don't believe what I just saw! I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome! What you see here, this is what you get. That's it. You like it, you like it. Don't beat it. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? And this ball is long gone. Mercy. What in the world? That's right. Unanimously, we're not even going to bother with anyone else from any of our teams. Maybe Ian Happ as uh, at second for his London performance, uh, at least in the one game. But 
uh, Lewis Robert Jr., four home runs, six runs, five RBIs. And once again, his OPS is 1480. That seems to be a, a common trend this year. Um, it doesn't really stop there, though. He's just having a great year. He leads all center fielders with 21 homers and a 3.6 war. He's sixth overall in war in the MLB. And he's on pace right now for 44 home runs. So uh, it could end up being a, a pretty damn good year for Lewis Robert Jr. Um, and Smitty let me know right before we got on the air, he was yeah. AL Player of the Week. Yeah, we're not the only ones noticing. He just earned that honor this afternoon. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even worth like comparing the stats of any of the other players on our five teams because Lewis Robert Jr. is blowing them all out of the water. So Congratulations to him. He is our badass of the week is he the first two-time winner of bath badass of the week we almost gave it to stroman did stroman um, not get it twice no you stopped it. you gave it to zach short instead oh yeah zach short <laughs> well can't wait for him to get sent down so that'll be the really the best badass oh of the week ever. wow <laughs> thanks uh one other thing you mentioned before i think we should talk about was the yeah, go ahead. play play at home plate oh shit the Rangers. i forgot that's shit that's twice two segments. I forgot shit. Yeah. So right. the, the Ranger series, I was supposed to go into that right after the Padres. Um, I mean, Quite all yeah, right. right after the Padres. Yeah. Um, oh, that's why I didn't go into it. I wrote Padres down instead of Rangers and I just skipped over it. Cause I thought I put it in the wrong spot. <laughs> I'm coming clean everyone. Okay. So we're amateurs. You need to do better with your notes taking before prior oh to the my show. God. Fucking idiot. <laughs> quite right, here right. we go. Here we go now. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this is almost like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon for, for what happened in this game. Don't you think? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So um, the Sox look like they, well, the Sox have tied the game. Elvis Andrews tries to come around and score in the ninth, bottom of the ninth. He is out at the plate. Out by a mile. I mean, it was not the, really even close. The Sox challenge the call two ways. They challenge it as the call at the plate, which I didn't know you could do this. I don't think they, I think they automatically review all the rules involved with uh, the play. Okay, I don't think okay. you have to stipulate what, what you're actually challenging. I think it just all is, is reviewed at the same time, but. Yeah. What well, Grafal claims he asked for both things to be reviewed. Yeah. Um, which why wouldn't he when you, I mean, yeah. if you have a chance, a chance to go ahead, you, you would definitely do that. So there's nothing to lose at that point. And this is, this is a moment where a rule when interpreted literally can be a really bad rule. Mm. And this is the case. Let's say what, let's say what, um, uh, what's the, what was the catcher's name for uh, Jonah Heim? Yeah. Jonah Heim. Let's He's going to be see. the AL starting catcher in the all-star game. Yeah. Most likely. So Jonah Heim allowed Elvis Andrews Elaine, which is part of the rule. He was not blocking the plate before the ball came. He was standing on the plate, but not in front of it or with. No, he was standing. He, he, yes. He, he had, had his a, foot on the plate, but apparently that's this, against the rules. Exactly. This is where the rule is bad. He did everything you're supposed to do, except for one thing that Jason Benetti said they actually 
you know, when they decide they're going to, this happens every year in spring training, there's certain rules they remind um, teams of that they're going to, you know, make sure they really enforce this year. And apparently they did cover the fact that that includes not having your foot on the plate. And it seems, I mean, I'm happy the Sox won the game. We need the win, but it's a terrible rule. It's a terrible rule that judgment cannot be used because no one was in harm's way. And that's what the rule is about. It's almost like a game of Simon says, like he did everything right, but he didn't do the one tiny thing that, that apparently matters the most. It had nothing to do with the actual play, but since by the letter of the law, it, they did find that he was guilty and run scores. And it was just, it's just, it's silly. I mean, I understand the point of the rule and the irony of the rule that we'll get to is, you know, this all started because of Buster Posey's brutal injury for the Giants. Uh, what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago? Yeah. Uh, so they wrote these harsh rules to stop the the idea of any collisions at home play. And it's worked. We haven't seen many catastrophic injuries. We have seen a few. In fact, we did see one this year with your White Sox. You, you guys broke the ankle of the... The Pirates, oh shit, I forgot his name. Their star player where he's sliding into first or sliding into home in a really bad, awkward way, but busted his ankle up. But, uh, you know, you mentioned that the irony, the, you know, this always rule was created for Buster Palsy with the manager being Bruce Bochy, who is now the manager across the way who was burned in the ass by this rule this past week. So who called it the, one of the worst calls ever. He called it embarrassing. And I thought yeah, that was, that was it, the best way to put it. It's just yeah. like, wh- why do we have a rule like this? How can you lose a game because of something as stupid as this? And I kind of, I kind of, I don't blame I him. Agree. For, yeah, no, I don't blame him either. He's got a terrifying voice, by the way. It's like the he deepest does. gravelly smokers, you know, 80 years of smoking voice that I've ever heard in my life. It's it's like deeper than Sam Elliott's voice. It's yeah, he crazy. should be in, he should he should be in westerns. Yeah, it definitely sounds like yeah, <laughs> he's from the 1870s living a hard life, but he he's very close to Lou, the manager from Major League. Yeah, uh, it's, it's very deep, close. It's deeper than that, though. It's crazy. <laughs> But your Giants were actually the the beneficiaries the next night of the similar play, which is just the other layer of irony. Yeah. So on uh, Wednesday night, the the very next night, the Giants uh, got a um, catcher's interference was called against the Padres that led to the ejection of Padres manager uh, Bob Melvin. Um, you Darvish and three runs of offense scored because of uh, the call that led on to the led on led the Giants to victory that night. So you should love this rule. It's working out perfectly I, for you. Well, I do. There, there also was some video that was kind of funny of uh, old video the Sox showed on the pregame of Bruce Bochy applauding the rule on a game that when it went his <laughs> way. So, nice. uh, on a call that was very, very similar where it was like, um, yeah, that's the rule. <laughs> yeah, it's the rule. I mean, I, the, the thing about the Padres one, that's even a little bit crazier. I don't know if it's crazier because the catcher was 
in the line, but you remember how you said Elvis Andrews was out by a mile, but like the play was still where his hand was coming into the plate and he got tagged on the arm. Yeah. I guess the, I meant the, the ball the was play, there plenty of yeah, time. The, the ball was there. It, it, it ended up being like a, a, a semi close play. The giants runner was tagged out at the front of like the home base, the home plate circle mm. coming in off a third. Yeah. And, and the, the, the reason the interference call super questionable is because when you're going to be out by that much. Yeah. What, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. It's, it's like they're making a, a black and white call, but you know, a ball and strike call almost, so to speak, you know, they're, they're, they're removing any gray area or any room for judgment in it. It's just, there needs to be some judgment because this, these rulings just don't make any sense on the surface. And, like Bochy said, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, what am I doing? I played catcher when I played baseball. Uh, obviously, there were none of these rules. I used to get <laughs> run over all the fucking time. But um, it was a different time back then. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't imagine having to think about getting the ball yeah. that, that's coming in and not then being I on home work- plate. Give yeah, him a lane. Right. Got to worry about if the ball is taking me into um, like the lane, how do I field it by not getting taken to the lane? Because if it takes me that way, I could tag him out, but then he could still be safe. Yeah. Like, it's just fucking stupid. Yeah, it's it's too much. There, the, I'm sure we'll hear about some... It might even be a simple, you know, minor revision of the rule. It doesn't need to be thrown out completely, but I think yeah, if I they mean, can, they can lead some, leave some leeway for common sense to prevail. I think that, that's the direction they need to go. I mean, AJ went off on his podcast ever the White Sox one. I didn't hear oh. if he went off after the, the Giants one because, like I said, the Giants one's even maybe even more erroneous in that the he just was moving over to go and tag the guy because right. it was it was. It wasn't even near, and then leads to three runs in the inning. I mean, Jesus. Well, you guys are headed to Anaheim to start. I think you guys starting like a half hour, so we gotta we gotta get going here so you can catch that. I got an hour. I got an hour. So let's just slow this down. All right. <laughs> I keep. You might notice I'm distracted. I keep looking over because all I see are home runs and base runners circling the bases in this Tigers Tigers Texas game. So oh, it's gonna be. I have to catch up a lot on this, but. You're headed to Anaheim to face the Angels, and that leads to some shit we couldn't make up. Oh, you guys like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? What have we got here? A fucking comedian. <laughs> For a sturdy cemetery. Come on to the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. This weekend, the Angels were in Colorado, and woo! Man, I believe it was Saturday night. They ended up winning a game 25 to one, the largest run differential since 2007. They were up 24, 23 to nothing after the fourth inning. Uh, just, just an amazing, uh, I can't imagine being at that game, especially since it was in Colorado, watching your home team getting drubbed like that. What, what that scenario would be like. Uh, every Angels starting hitter had two hits in the game, at least two hits, except one Shohei Otani, believe it or not. 
the current leader in uh, AL All-Star voting, the hands-down All-Star leading uh, or MVP leading candidates for the AL. I was thinking we we haven't talked much about Shohei because I mean he's not on a team we cover. I actually really don't like the Angels for how much they've underachieved with superstar players. Uh, taking them away from the spotlight, hiding them over on the east, on the west coast, in anonymity, but however you say that. <laughs> uh, but it's Ooh, it's a frustrating team. But I, I feel like we need to talk about Shohei a little more. I mean, it, it, what he's doing is so outrageous; it's it's ridiculous. Um, I feel like we've been doing this podcast for a while. Future historians will look back on us and question w- what our judgment is if we haven't spoken about the feats of one Shohei Otani more often, but he's currently got a 5.4 war, which in context, he leads second place Ronald Acuna Jr. by 1.2 war. Uh, He's only got a 4.2 war, so he's blowing out the competition in that regard. He's got uh, an OPS over a thousand. He leads the majors in home runs with 25. He also leads them in, Extra base hits, also RBI with 61. But then he also has an ERA just over three, a whip just over one. He's got 117 strikeouts, which is good for fourth best in the majors. It's unreal. Uh, the the idea that you know he would be an MVP just with his offensive stats, but you top you know throw in he's maybe not the best starter. In the, in the American League, but he's he's amongst the you know top five, top ten easily. Uh, it's crazy. I, I'm also attuned to this because I I drafted him in our fantasy foot, fantasy baseball league this year for the first time, and of course I'm I'm running away with it at this point. This is my chance to kind of talk about my first place Motor City re rebuild for a fantasy league. Uh, I'm kind of running away with it. I'm kind of feeling guilty. Because Shohei Otani is turning out to be a cheat code in fantasy, because I can start him, you know, four days a week as my as my best offensive player, and then I throw him in as my best my best pitcher once a week. So I really, when I drafted him, I drafted two top players at once. So I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm thinking as commissioner, and you're kind of the co commissioner. We might need to discuss if this is an unfair advantage in our fantasy league. I you know he's been available. He's in our league, at least, he was not activated properly, I believe, by the owners who drafted him, who remain nameless. But they were not uh, moving him from a from position player to a starter. Uh, they were just holding him as a as a position player or a starter. I forget. Actually, one one person held him as a starting fucking pitcher the whole, the whole year. Yeah. So I, I'm actively moving move my roster around so I can get both these players out of one, and I'm starting to run away with it. So. We might need to make a rule that we cannot draft Shohei Otani ever again because this this feels unfair. I, I am the architect of this and I'm the beneficiary, but I feel kind of bad about it. Doesn't it? it's like it's like something that fantasy baseball players could have never anticipated or how the rules work, how how it work, how this is working out. But we'll get well, deeper. Baseball into that has maybe. a way to giveth and taketh away. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll, right. we'll we'll wait to see how the season ends before we start crowning champions before <laughs> no, seeing as you said to get that as, out there 
seeing as there's been four of us who have been in first place, last place, and every other fucking position throughout this season. But yeah, Shoei Otani is a phenom. You're right. We should talk about him more. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we just have like an amazing Otani stat of the week or something. Yeah, I feel like history. If history won't look on us favorably, <laughs> yeah, they might be like, see this podcast later. Look at, those, look at those two fucking curmudgeons <laughs> talking about their shitty AL Central all the time. Then they they travel out to the West Coast and they never bring up Otani. <laughs> they don't cover him till he's at the end of his career when he finally is on the Giants at age forty five. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, speaking of all stars, uh, we might as well move over to our. Major League A-Holes All-Star Selection Show. We Last week, we talked about our infielders. I think we ended up with three Giants and two Cubs. We This week, we're going to cover all of our outfielders and DH candidates. I think we're going to get some little more diversity in there amongst our five teams, hopefully. But you've got a list over there of all the... Oh, I got a big uh, list here, yeah. Yeah, all the A's, all the Tigers, all the Cubs, all the White Sox and Giants who were on the All-Star ballot, which has now moved on to the final stage. There's just two finalists for each position, but I pulled up all the all the names prior to that. So I've ranked those, if we want to start at the bottom, I guess. We don't have to spend too much time on the bottom half of that list if you don't want, or you can start halfway through if, if you feel like it. But um, uh, yeah. I rank those the way I would I would put them in. Also, we didn't discuss this. Do we just do three? We pick the top three outfielders, or you and I just decide on three outfielders? Yeah, and um, one D is it one DH? Yeah, I was thinking four outfielders, but that doesn't really make any sense. We'll just do the three starters, and then then a DH yeah. as well. So we'll, we'll get to the DH later. But that, that's a sizable list of outfielders. If you wanna, you know what I think I'm gonna do? I'm not gonna start all the way at the bottom because there's okay. some, na- some names people. There's some negative be- war players, and it's amazing yeah, that they're on an All Star ballot. And, and people will be like, "Who, Who the, the fuck, fuck is are this? you ta- talking about?" Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. With, we'll start with some names towards the bottom that people know. Yeah, uh, Cyan Suzuki is a .1 WAR, six homers, twenty six RBI, seven forty two OPS. Yeah, I'm surprised his WAR was that low, but yeah, it's not impressive. Um, even less impressive, maybe because of all the uh, all the pop and circumstance about it, is Eloy Jimenez with a .2 WAR, nine home runs, thirty yeah. RBIs, and a seven five two EPS. Um, yeah, that, those are those are pretty impressive offensive numbers. Of course, his his defense is going to bring bring his his WAR well down. That's that's why I have him listed yeah, fairly low there. I, I kind of feel like Jimenez and Suzuki though have also been out like for long periods of time this season too. So yeah, yeah. that's working against them and right more, now. That, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, I'm not, and by the way, I just want to clarify, I'm not advocating that Jimenez is a good defender by that comment. I was just merely putting into <laughs> light that both full of context. players yeah. who, yeah, who are, who are pretty decent players wars are definitely also suffering from lack of play valid um, point here's here's something we can have a good chuckle at the Sox largest contract andrew benetini has a 0.9 war with one homer and 19 rbis in the 726 ops that's money well spent there not um Cody he's your Bell- best but he's your best like consistent offensive player. Well, so. right now he is. Yeah. Suddenly yeah. he is. Yeah. So that, I mean, we'll see what it looks like at the end of the year. And he's, mm. he's, he's 
definitely a, a, a major improvement in left field. Uh, it's nice yeah. to not worry when the balls hit out there. So. Yeah, I misspoke. He's definitely not your best offensive player by any means. We'll, we'll be getting to him. Well, we already did, yeah. but he's going to top this list. Um, Cody Bellinger. Uh, is he back now? I'm, I'm, or is he's he back. He's, back? he's back. Yeah. He's not, I don't think he's fully healthy yet, but he is playing. Um, so he's in a limited role at this point, but yeah, his, his numbers are definitely lower. His counting stats are at least low. Cause he's been out for close to a month. Yeah. One, one, five on the war, seven homers, 22 RBI, seven, six, nine, not terrible, but yeah, it's not uh, bad numbers for being gone. Yeah. Riley green. Uh, 1.6, pretty good for his first full season. Five homers, 18 RBIs, 805 OPS. You got to like that. Yeah, and like he's that. been out since the end of May. So just think where his numbers would be if he had been, he was really on a hit, hitting a He stride. was, yeah, he was like, yeah, I agree, dude. He probably would be, he might be in the top three here if he didn't get injured, actually. Yeah, I think he would have. Uh, Michael Conforto. His war's not good at 0.7, and that could be because of defense, but 12 homers, 42 RBIs, and a 767 OPS. So not too yeah, shabby I saw his, there. His 12 homers are impressive. I was surprised his war was that low, but yeah, it must be the defensive metrics working against him. Um, now we're getting to the top three. At number three in this list, which I don't dis I don't disagree with this list really. So well yeah and you can just uh, we didn't talk about this before. You can definitely, you know, you don't have to follow my list if you don't want, but but uh I thought that was a Ian, good place to start the debate at least. Ian Happ, who is is uh plus defender, decent enough pop in his bat, 1.5 or five homers, 37 ribbies, 819 OPS. Mike Yastrzemski. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to jump ahead. I didn't mean. To oh no, go ahead. ahead. Uh, Mike yeah, Yastrzemski, right. I mean, 1.9 WAR, 10 homers, 27 ribbies, and an 806 OPS. That's why it's such a bummer. He's just went on the IL for him, I and he was he was really having a good season. It's hard to say how long that hamstring is going to hold him out. Yeah, blows. And then, of course, leading the pack, the aforementioned badass of the week, Lewis Robert Jr. 3.6 WAR, 21 homers, 42 RBIs. 885 OPS. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's the easiest. I think the question, so Luis Roberts, definitely a starting outfielder or a, our MLA all-star center fielder. I think the question comes in, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to put an injured player in the all-star game? I think you kind of need to recognize their season and not really take that into account. That's just my thoughts. So I'm yeah, not going to so hold that. I'm not going to hold that against Yaz. Um, I think the debate would come with with Ian Happ and Michael Conforto, uh, who we'd want as our as our third outfielder, unless there's others you wanted to throw in into that final discussion. No, I I think I want Ian Happ because of his mm. defense, and then he's getting he's not getting home runs, but his OPS is eight nineteen, and Conforto's is seven sixty seven. So that means yeah. he's hitting for power more consistently. And yeah, he's got what, five home runs. Yeah, probably taking more walks, but getting doubles instead of home runs. And oh yeah, I, he well I've he just hit two home runs over the weekend. So right, uh, so he's been hitting, just not hit the ball over the fence, and that's exactly what the opposite of Conforto. So yeah, if, I, I I think I like the OPS stat over the over the inflated home runs. Um, so yeah, I think we're both on the same page there then. I actually don't think a Surprising. ball. I actually don't think a ball 
would even not be caught if that was an outfield. Because Jastrzemski's a very good right fielder. Mm. Um, Lewis Robert. Obviously, the thing would be, does Ian Happ move to left, obviously, and then Robert covers center? Because Oh, yeah, he'd be he, in left. Yeah. yeah, so, like, I don't, I'm not sure. A ball would get over the wall if it was, if it was hit, you know, yeah. um, uh, you know, just yeah, anything in the make it over. Anything in play. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, I get like a big, I got a big smile on my face for those of you who are only listening to this. That that's that would be like one of the best outfields in all of baseball. That'd be solid. Well, we are combining. You should, well, we, we should are, be yeah, the best team teams. in baseball. Yeah, we're combined, right. <laughs> well, we're combining five teams really, so it's kind of an yeah. unfair advantage. But that's what's fun about this this discussion. I'm, I'm surprised we're not having more debates or going back and forth or well, not being I, as provincial as I thought we'd be, but I think the numbers kind of spell it out pretty simply. So yeah, I, I, I'm happy I, to agree from time to time. And we also, you know, I've seen Ian Happ play a lot and I've mm. just watched him get better and better. Yeah. And he, he defenses, you know, we all know it's a huge part of the game and he's, got a decent amount of pop in his bat. So it's, it's a nice balance out there. You know, that would be a nice balanced outfield. So, like all it. right, look at that. We got one, one Cub, uh, Sox and a Giants. Nice balanced diversity to, there. Yeah. Compared to the all Giants Cubs infield yeah. <laughs> the, other, yeah. the other day, still no tigers or A's. It might be hard to get those guys on the roster. We'll find a place maybe in the pitching rotation or in the bullpen, but. I think we should move over to our DH discussion. Just the five players. I think we could start with Miguel Whoa. Cabrera down at the bottom there. <laughs> yes. Point negative. I'm sorry. Point five war one yeah. Homer, 10 ribby, 626 OPS. Yeah. Most of his offensive numbers came in June so far. I mean, he's, he's I just spent a segment last, last week talking about how he was finally coming to get putting things together in a, in at least a 11 game stretch at that point. But yeah, his, his numbers overall, he doesn't really deserve to be on an all-star ballot, but he was there and he's a legend. So we at least need to mention him. I love the guy, but yeah, this is, this is not the time, not the, not the best time for Miggy. No, too bad. It'd always be great if like players could always go out and, a blaze of glory, so to speak. Well, he's got his thirty million dollars coming. Well, to I, I know, I know. It's not like I'm, I'm not. I just meant from a competitive standpoint. Like, yeah, for sure. I always refer to Mike Messina as the smartest player ever. Wow, retiring after a twenty-win season, knowing he had to reteach himself how to pitch effectively, and he was, he was just. He had borrowed time that season, I think he felt like, and took advantage of it and left on at the top of his game, really. Yeah, that's so. Mike Messina reference. I didn't think we'd hear that. That's that's a oh, hell of a pull right there. That's a great that's a great I'll never reference. I will never forget that season because just watching him pitch that season, I'm like, how the fuck did he do this? Like it just it was incredible. I told you the wow. story. I I almost saw him pitch a no hitter for the Yankees right? Yes. in Fenway Park. <laughs> Fenway Park, yes. 2001 Labor Day weekend, actually. It was actually oh. one, one week before 9 11, which is crazy. I flew out of that same fucking airport in Boston. But Yikes. Uh, yeah, Red Sox fans were actually booing Carl Everett, who got a base hit in the with two outs in the ninth yes. uh, to, break up, to break up the Yankees no hitter, which is just an amazing thing to me. I couldn't believe it. Red Sox fans would actually be cheering for cheering for a Yankee, but 
wanted to see history and fucking Carl Everett of all, all people broke it up. So Mr. No dinosaurs, right? Is that what yeah, exactly. Just a little bit of, a little bit of insider trivia of, of our <laughs> baseball times. But. Um, up next on the list is Jock Peterson with a one war, eight homers, 30 ribbies. He does have a nice, robust 876 OPS. So yeah, must be Former badass walk, of the week walking and getting some uh, gappas in there. He also does. He's not an every he's not like an everyday DH. He's a matchup. DH. Yeah. So. And I literally pulled these from the, the major league ballot uh, and we could talk about position eligibility. But since that's where they put these players, I just I didn't want to fight. Yeah. With it for now, no, unless, we can, unless we had an issue of some sort that comes up. It's fine. We have, I have a great, really funny. I have a really funny story when we get to the top listed guy on the ballot. Uh, Brent Rooker, who uh, is another decently performing Oakland A, you wouldn't know by the yeah. record, but he has a 1.1 WAR, 13 homers, 38 RBI, and 810 OPS. Not too shabby. Yeah, we got a few. Yeah. Uh, up next is is a guy who's just came on the scene red fucking hot is Christopher Morrell. His wars one 13 homers, 30 RBIs, 969 OPS. Now his numbers are a little bit down because he hasn't even played a full fucking season. Yeah. He didn't come up until I think the middle of May. So he's had half the time to put these numbers up compared to everybody else. So that was, I think it's rather impressive. He was over a thousand OPS until this weekend. So those kind of, uh, deflated his numbers a bit, but yeah, it's impressive what he's done. I don't think it's quite enough to make him our starting DH of our all-star team. And uh, coming in at number one on the list is Jake Berger with a war of 0. 0.7, 17 homers this year. I mean, that's mm, he's that's... basically on pace for like 34, 35, 37 RPIs and 811 OPS. And he does have a tendency to hit some home runs in some very big moments too. Yes, I've seen um, it. Yeah, so that that's um oh yeah, the grand slam against the Tigers. I forgot about that. I think you called it a quad patty pounder. <laughs> yeah, quad well, pounder. I, I was you so know, sometimes when I get riled up, <laughs> you were riled up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was th there's this restaurant down the block. Are you familiar with Choppers over no, on, I don't think so. on um uh shit, what's it on? North so they have this thing called the quad burger and it's always on this poster whenever you go buy it. And it's oh. like a four patty burger. It looks oh disgustingly God. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come out. I didn't come out of the house for a week after I ate the quad burger. Oh man. But as you said, Smitty, you took these, all the players that we discuss are officially on the all-star ballot. So I have a funny Jake burger story for you. Mm. Um, as I like to make fun of white Sox Twitter, um, because they're a lot of meatheads, to say the least. Jason Bonetti made a real rookie mistake, as far as I'm concerned, and wow. he got a he got a he got tagged in a tweet from someone in White Sox Twitter Nation, and on the air said, "Why is Jake Berger not on the All Star ballot?" And Jason oh. Bonetti goes on a rant. This is a, this is a little over a week ago. I forgot to bring this up a, a few weeks ago um, on MLB. How is Jake Berger not on the all-star ballot? You need to put him on the all-star ballot. And he's like losing his freaking mind. Right. And I'm like, okay, he's on the ballot. He's gotta be. I, I hadn't looked at the ballot at that point. I'm like, he's gotta be on the ballot. 
And then a mm. couple minutes go by and he's like, oh, um, yeah, this <laughs> just in. Uh, Jake Berger is on the All-Star Bella, but he's listed as DH, not at third base. Uh, at least he owned it. Yeah. yeah. That, that, but, that's why I love Benetti, But But here's the thing. Why would you go off of a tip that you've got off of Twitter <laughs> from a White Sox fan? I think Jason but, may have learned a valuable lesson that night that will never be repeated again. Yeah. Uh, so I yeah, mean, I wouldn't worry about Jason. The most self-loathing bunch of fucking individuals on the planet. <laughs> but anyway, back to um, who our all-star DH should be. And I, are we, are we going with uh, one Jake Berger? I think I think kind of have to, right? I think Morrell would have a shot if he had played a few more weeks, but I mean, 17 home runs. I want to see Berger in the home run derby. I know. I I do and I don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there was history of some uh, (laughs) some issues, but there's like one example. I'm not sure that 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 has played out as we've seen Pete Alonzo and everyone else. That's true. That's true. We we, we always refer to Bobby Abreu. That's like fucking 15 years ago or something. It might be more than that now. Jesus. You're yeah. right. Don't You're be right. afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be great to see him in there, but we'll see. Everyone hates the White Sox, so he probably well, won't be in there. <laughs> regardless, we will make him our starting DH for the Major League Eight Holes All Star Team. All right. So what's up next? Uh, yeah, next week it? we'll next week we'll talk about you know the pitchers. You and I need to figure this out if we're going to do five. I think we'll just do five starters and maybe three. Three relievers, or do we yeah, need more good, relievers? Yeah. Nah, okay. I think we just do three relievers. So we'd have a full starting rotation and relievers. I'm gonna have to pull up all those numbers because there's no, all, they don't, they don't let you vote for pitchers in the All Star game. So maybe you could send me some ideas. I yeah, need, I'm, not, I'll, I'm not as I'll, familiar with a Giants bullpen as as I should be, maybe. But let me go. I think there. I think you can go and sort all that and. All right. We'll, we'll, tune we'll, in we'll next worry, week. We'll, we'll have that. We'll worry we'll, about that on like Sunday or some shit. Yeah, we'll have that all sorted out by next week and tune in. Tune in then. So I think that leads to our final segment of the show tonight: our aesthetics. Hey, Kramer, what do you think of this shirt? It's too busy. You know what you two look like? What? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. I think it's the stupidest shirt I've ever seen. To be perfectly honest with you. You look like a fool. Can I say one thing to you? And I say this with an unblemished record of staunch heterosexuality. Absolutely. It's fabulous. Dun, dun, dun. Also the final Nike City Convention of 2023, Pittsburgh Pirates. Or as they're as I would call them, the Pagur. Pirates. <laughs> uh, they revealed their very classic looking uh, uniforms yeah I, I think we're kind of kind of putting the putting our reactions up there before before we're going to actually give our middle fingers up or down for these but i i thought they were pretty cool too they look like pittsburgh pittsburgh pirates i mean they look kind of look like the classic 1970 late 70s uniforms they had minus the pill pillbox caps which i never really liked anyway but that's that's such an iconic look for them. But they went with a gold hat with a black brim with the classic black P. Uh, gold jerseys with PGH across the chest, which is, you know, that's the 
that's the standard abbreviation for Pittsburgh. It just looks kind of odd to someone not from Pittsburgh because I, I would use PIT to abbreviate Pittsburgh, but I get maybe I guess Pitt is not the most positive connotation. It's also the name of the university, PITT. They've kind of absconded with that with that uh, abbreviation. So to alleviate any alleviate any confusion, they went with the PGH. Uh, not surprisingly, in 2023, it is now the fifth Nike City Connect jersey uniform to feature black pants, which I've been <laughs> I've been railing against in many cases. In this case, it makes perfect sense because it looks the, great. It's a core color of the of the Pirates, but it's also they had black pants back in the 70s point so it makes sense uh it really reminds me a lot of the how well the white Sox executed the executed the south side uniforms because they just look like the white Sox immediately just like this is this makes sense with their brand identity and i think pittsburgh did the same probably not quite as well but they they did quite well with it i think the pgh is the only thing i would have an issue with but the other things that you and I might have issue with would, would be, of course, the explanations for all the various details that you may or may not have noticed yes. on initial viewing. And of course, they put together documents on social media that I've pulled together for you. We could kind of read through those and make to, to make fun of them or to maybe to gain some insight into things that we hadn't noticed. But um, Yeah, so, uh, well, we already talked about the the we the first thing they talk about is we bleed black and gold and it just yeah. covers off what you just talked about so we'll we'll skip ahead when do, well i do i forgot to bring up the black and gold it it's that is very unique to pittsburgh actually every pro sports team is black yes, and gold the penguins that is true steelers and i think that all had to have started with the pirates because they started 50 years before any of those teams were in existence so i think that's really cool because i don't that that like two colors don't define any other sports town that I can think of. You know, Detroit's got all, you know, they run the gamut of colors for their teams. Chicago's the same way. Nobody's got the same colors there. I can't think of any other place. So I think that's pretty cool for Pittsburgh in general, that all their teams are, are black and yellow. And that's just sort of their, their city's identity. If you've ever been to Pittsburgh, which I know you have, because you and I both went there for a Sox pirate series. Shit. When was that? God, like 15 long, years ago, a long time ago. Yeah. No, Michael Buckfitch was pitching. <laughs> we were yelling at him in the bullpen, but uh, even the city is, is black and yellow. You know, the, yeah, all the, the bridges, bridges, the bridges yeah. are all painted yellow. It, it's, that's a surprisingly cool city too. Like a beautiful city. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to mention that too, because from a designer's perspective, it's cool to see a visual identity that carries across all the different sports in, in a town. I, I like it. Yeah, I'll get to some of the uh, details here that we wouldn't notice because this is the fun of Nike Connect. And I will also I will also say there's only like five five areas they mention here. So again, uh, <laughs> Nike has has limited uh, the explanation. The last few, um, you know, the amazing Cincy jerseys that set Cincy on their winning streak ever since they got those jerseys. That's I right. Taken, I don't think they've taken them off. I think they wear those every yeah. day. The power um, of the city connect. You yeah. can't. Um, but uh, one of the things is the texture on each letter of the PGA is inspired by the texture found on the Roberto Clemente bridge. Okay. While the arching text nods to the city's iconic three bridges on the sleeve, okay. you can find the iconic Pittsburgh P in this city. We bleed black and gold. 
right. Now this this part's interesting, and I, I I'm not sure this happened before, but these are City Connect jerseys. But now we're getting to City Connect pants because on the pants is what they're calling the check, and this is reference to the graphic that appears on the seal of the city. More than that is also the reference to the performance when talking about how the steel itself has managed to evolve. Carbon fiber has been used to improve the performance. This mix of heritage and innovation is also at Pittsburgh's core. Now this appears as a belt loop, like through the pants on the side. Wow, okay. This yeah, is nothing, this that. is not on the jersey itself. So <laughs> I guess this city connect pants too now. Pantalone. Wow. Yeah, I mean they've all had pants. They just haven't had that many details spelled out about about the pants themselves. So yeah, they're they're definitely finding ways. And the, in general, these are very plain, simple jerseys. That's the other reason I like them a lot. They're they're very simple, but yeah, the, there's patterns all throughout. That this is where Nike is trying to stretch their creative muscles. That I think they're they might be going a bit too far with, but that's fine. Let them have yeah. fun with it. The next is one part of the pattern because there's two icons in the pattern. We're going to talk about the asteroid. This iconic shape represents Pittsburgh's history in the American steel industry. For that decades, is, by the way, that is the, the diamond shape that you've seen in the Steelers logo. Yeah, all exactly. This time. Those, the three diamonds, that's the same shape. This is just a gold one throughout, repeated throughout. So, Yes, this is not a nod to Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. This is it's, completely yes. unrelated. Um, you know, for decades, Pittsburgh has been at the center of the steel industry, blah, 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 blah. So we know that <laughs> then also in the pattern is the Y, which is cool. It represents the three rivers. Um, it's like an upside down Y to be exact. Uh, the shape yeah. is not to the Allegheny, uh, Allegheny, Ohio and, and the Mana, Mana Galea. I'm not sure if you remember the, the, when the Cubs released their Wrigleyville city connect, right. they had a, they had a secondary logo that was similar. It's got, it's similar to the city seals got the Y because of the three rivers coming together downtown. So I, I thought that was a similar idea, at least executed differently. But it's, yeah. it's, it's become common for Nike to use those, the city seal and in, in, in different ways. Yeah. It makes more sense for, Pittsburgh, the thing I remember us having a chuckle about with the Cubs, it's like, well, wait, is this the full city jersey then? Because you had two teams. Remember, we were having a little yeah. chuckle about that. But yeah, it's the, a lot of cities have that comic common symbol like that. So, right. Last but not least are the bridges. And there's this, I don't know how to describe it, like two larger circles and then two yeah i didn't understand that either i'll I'll post all this stuff in the on the website when we get there but yeah that that one you'd have to really look deep to figure out what the fuck they're trying to do there yeah this is also in the pgh which we talked about a little bit earlier the pattern inside the pgh on the front of the jersey pays homage to the circular gates built in the windows of the pillars (laughs) on the clemente bridge all right, this All just right. And for those of you scoring at home, it's the circular grates. They're built into the windows of the pillars of the Clemente Bridge. Just, <laughs> just to make sure. We I mean, got that. at least we're just talking about a pattern on a uniform. I mean, the the Cleveland Guardians base their whole identity based on architecture and a bridge yeah. someplace there. So yeah, I mean, 
these are small ancillary ideas that have very, very little consequence at least. But yeah, um, they don't, then it just goes on to say, you know, it references the city bridges of Pittsburgh that connects all the people, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Well, they had their fun. Is that, is that the end of their Yeah, that's the end of it. I, right. I, I do want to like make that's, one. That's plenty. I do want to make one more comment. Um, did you find the picture you sent me of the three players who I have no idea who any of them are? I mean, where are they players or are they just some dudes <laughs> they pulled off the street? To take uh, a yeah. fucking picture, because I've never seen Pittsburghians three, three <laughs> dirt bags in in a fucking photo before like well, this. We're probably not as familiar with Pittsburgh's lineup as as we could be. Uh, but yeah, but I'm I was assuming like, there are players. I'll have to take I, another look. I'll, I'll I got that off their social media, so maybe maybe they were models. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm, go with debatable. <laughs> but anyway, well. That was fun. That's going to be the last one for a while. Of course, Nike is going to release at least six more next year. And there's, I think there's still 10 teams left. So maybe wow. they're going to do five and five or it sounds they're... like the Yankees are not, have no plans to even participate in this, which nope. is interesting. Yeah. Um, that was a asshole move. I think. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised from the Yankees, but I'm breathlessly awaiting the Tigers City Connect uniforms. I have no idea what direction they will go in. I'm assuming it'll be Motor City somehow. Uh, they haven't really activated the orange secondary color in their identity as much. They, this might be an orange look. Uh, we'll see. A's have yet to announce anything. Uh, they might not be in Oakland at that point. So I don't know if they're going to play off their new home in Vegas or how, how that's going to work. That'll, that'll they'll be just have an A's, it'll just be an A's jersey. Yeah, who knows? But <laughs> but I think we should wrap up this episode so I can finish watching this Tigers game, which they they lead four to one in 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 Arlington. So I'm kind of shocked by this score. That's why you've seen me a bit distracted during this during this episode. Uh, you can, in the meantime, you can find us on social media at. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's our rating? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Wow. I'm giving two middle fingers up. I think I have to follow with two middle fingers up. And those are good. Those are good things. So, yeah. All right. Geez. Now finish up so you can get to your fucking Tigers. Well, we kind of gave it away at the beginning. So I totally forgot about it by the end. So sorry about that. (laughs) I am definitely obsessing over my Tigers right now. The score. So, you know, they're only breaking your heart in the end of this. It's only the third. Yeah, I am a little bit worried, but we'll see. Uh, we will be back next week at some point. Uh, you and I haven't talked about that. When, when we're getting close to the actual All-Star break. So we'll have our first half recaps or whatever we decide we need to do. And we'll definitely come back with our pitchers and or basically all of our pitchers for our Major League A-Holes All-Star roster. But in the meantime, you can catch us on social media at socks type thing that's pete over there i am at major league a-holes you can find us on youtube you can find our us on the web at major league as well as socks type thing.com and our merchandise is at aesthetics.shop a-s-s-t-h-e-t-i-c-s.shop and you can find this podcast anywhere you'd like to find a podcast so with that i'm going to declare this podcast is over peace Peace. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ, it's about time.
I'm an asshole and I'm proud of it.